You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Next, featuring intimate and in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood's next edition of Stars and Influencers. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, next... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there it is, there it is. Hey. All right. Mm-hmm. Hi, haters. <laughs> what they do? <laughs> Welcome to another exciting edition of Black Hollywood Live Next. I'm your host, Nick Perdue, here with my lovely co-host... Megan Thomas at Meg Scoop, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we have the beautiful, <laughs> hilarious, hey. talented Miss Coca Brown. Thank you, baby. Hey, hey. how you doing? You look good, girl. Thank you, girl. I'm beat. Did they beat me good? They beat they me good. Did. They I beat love that it. Beat. That term is so funny to me. Girl, I got a face beat. I'm like, ooh, that's so <laughs> Ike Turnish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you look good, though. Thank you, baby. Right. Thank you. But you look good, though. My baby Frederick take real good care of me, sugar. See, and, no, and then if you have like a male makeup, like, yeah, Frederick. Beat my face. Yes, it sounds. Yes, Frederick right. beat the hell out my face, buddy, and I liked it. <laughs> and I liked it. Oh my goodness! Hilarious. Right. Yeah, this is funny. Good to see you again. Good to see. I know when we're just here together. If you're doing double duty. You're going to put a jacket on like we can't tell us. Right. You know what? Right. I, I, I love the diversity here. Yeah, I love it. You know, we first we had Zoe Saldana, now we got Ray Don Chong. I'm Boom. like, y'all keeping this diversified up in here, honey. That's how we do. Yeah. Like, how do we my family tree. See. What I got in me. <laughs> Peruvian today. Am I Peruvian? Yes, okay, I can girl. take that. I can take that. Okay. There you go. From Newport News, Virginia. Bad news, baby. Bad news. Seven five seven. What's up, baby? Save me some shrimp fried rice and some yak. Everybody in VA know about that, honey. What is yes. Yuck? It's like a noodle they do in Newport News, and it's got like soy sauce and ketchup and onions. Ketchup. It sounds crazy, but when I tell you, honey, the first time you have it, you're gonna be hooked. Really? Yuck. Okay. Yes, honey. Okay. <laughs> go home, and you can only get it in the hood, and mm-hmm. I mean. Okay. Hood, hood. Okay, <laughs> but I, I, hey, I go down there, honey, with my sweats on. I'm like, "What's up, y'all?" They know where I'm coming. They know what's up. Coke, going to get her yak. Yak <laughs> to drink with my yak. Okay, <laughs> girl, what you know about that yak? I don't. It just sounded good together. Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> when them healthy chicks, you know, right, I don't right. drink alcohol or smoke or anything. I want to stay young. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Living that vegan lifestyle. Yeah, no, right. honey, I'm gonna do what I gotta do when I gotta do a plastic surgeon. <laughs> Sometimes you need to drink. <laughs> so how has growing up in Newport News, Virginia, two up, two down, yep. how has that shaped you? Right? You know what? It, it's it's giving me um, that I love everything that's happening around me. But when I go home, I get to just be me. I get mm-hmm. to be Farrah. You know, mm-hmm. I get to be Phoebe. You know what I'm saying? That's who I was in Newport News. And, you know, it instilled in me a humility. You know, because I know as people that I grew up with that are still there and I still talk to them, you know, and even when I'm doing these interviews and, you know, I see myself on the big screen, I always remember I'm still just plain old Phoebe from Newport News, Virginia. And it keeps me humble, baby. I, you know, it's in the water in VA. I promise you. Right. <laughs> it's in the water. So your name is Farrah, but everyone calls you Coca. Right. How did you get that name? It was actually given to me by a comic named James Bean. Um, when I first started doing comedy, I was going on stage as Farrah. And um, he said, you have so much energy, so much personality, you need a 
that name that just you know just just personifies you know, person personifies <laughs> that and um one day I was coming off stage and he handed me a napkin and inside it was a bunch of names and he had coca brown circled and that's how coca wow. brown was born born so how is it coca instead of coco why why is it coca? well the reason you know coco brown there was a female comic out of Detroit named coco and I said well you know mm-hmm. what I don't want to have the same names I don't want it to be you know any misunderstandings or confusion and then you know when I realized that the proper way to say c-o-c-o-a is coca Mm. Right. I said, I like that Coco Brown, Coco Brown, Coco Brown. It rolls off your tongue. I like that. And that's how he initially had it spelled anyway when James handed me that napkin that night. So I've now just been trying to get people to say Coca instead of Coco because, I mean, for the longest, I was just like, whatever, long as that check right, I don't care. Right. But now, you know, I want people to really know what my name is and how to say it. And plus, too, you know, it's a porn star named Coco Brown, honey. We truly came to get it. <laughs> I don't need anybody calling me for six booties of death. I don't, I'm good. <laughs> good on that. Right. That- <laughs> Exactly. Keep that check. Yeah, you keep that check. You know, my daddy a deacon, honey. I'll never right. be able to go home again. <laughs> That's funny. I had to explain to my daddy why I kissed Terry Crews. You know what I'm saying? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's real talk. So you went to VCU. You graduated. Yes. Uh-huh. And then you also got a master's in yes. secondary education. Yeah. What made you get a master's in, in that specifically? You know, I panicked. It, I had been out in L.A. about three years, and I just had this panic where I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out, and this is the last step to whether it works out or not. And you know what? I, I got to do something. I got to have a backup plan. And I thought about the one thing that I love, and that's teaching. I love children. So I decided to get a degree in education because I'm like, I can be Miss Crabtree when I'm 90. Right. You know, I can always go teach. They always need a good teacher. So I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. It's still it's a passion of mine on top of everything else is children and teaching and educating. So that was my thing. And I actually did it on the road. I literally was doing it online, on the road. I would come off stage at midnight and be in my hotel room to an hour before my flight left writing papers. And wow. I actually graduated 19 months, summa cum laude. What? Wow. You better do yeah. that. <laughs> you better do. What do you I'm recommend? educated. Right. What do you recommend for people who are probably in the same situation, they're pursuing their dreams, but yeah. maybe they're feeling a little antsy because it hasn't happened yet? You know, I've heard people say, you know, entertainers say, you can't have a plan B. You got to put it all in. Mm-hmm. I say that's crazy. <laughs> You know, this right. business is way too fickle. Right. Now, your plan B can be whatever other passion you may have. I know a comic who's a chef. You know, I know a comic who is a dentist. I mean, I mean, you know, the thing is, you've you've got to find out if you want to be balls in and have no other options, which is cool if that's what's going to work for you. But for me, I know eventually I want to get a doctorate. I mm. want to eventually possibly teach what I know to those who want to do what I do. And what better way to do it than not just giving you my experience, but also giving you that degree, let you know I'm certified. Mm. And that was my thing. I figured I needed to have a plan B because this business is so fickle. I mean, let's keep it real. It's some Oscar winners sitting at home. Right. Mm. And I just know you can be hot one day and they don't know you tomorrow. And for me, I just needed to have that comfort of knowing that I can go balls in right now. But if it don't work out, I always got something else I can do. Right. Mm -hmm. That's strong. That's strong. But would you want to teach like a stand-up comedy class or... Um, I would. I'm actually speaking at one tomorrow. My friend David Arnold has yeah. an incredible stand-up class here in L.A., and he's got me coming in to speak to his students. Um, I think I would probably want to teach comedic acting more, though, mm-hmm. you know, because I've I've been able to do a lot of different uh, genres of comedic acting, whether it be commercial, TV, and film. And I think, you know, if I was going to teach anything, it'd be that, you oh, know. Okay. I mean, I, I teach stand-up comedy, but, you know, I think 
most comics come to L.A. to be actors, so let me teach yeah. you how to transition. Because right. a whole lot think, because I'm funny on stage, I can act. Right. It's a whole different ball of worms, honey. Okay, that's, that, yeah, that's whole, it's whole different right there. Let me sign up for that class. Yeah. That yes. is my reminder. <laughs> <laughs> sign yes. Up. <laughs> yes, it's called From Stage to Screen, baby. Stage to okay. Screen. So now, but what what made you take up stand-up comedy? Like, what was the, the catalyst? I was like, you know what? I mean, I was bored. I was working in corporate. I was working for Ringling Brothers. Mm. And I, you know, fresh out of college, first corporate job. I'm in a three-by-five cubicle every day. And I just realized that wasn't fulfilling me. And it took a friend of mine, Onyx Lithicum, who I really owe my career to because he saw something in me. And he took me to a barbecue of a stand-up comic, Chris Paul, this on the Tom Jordan Morning Show. Mm. And he had a comedy club at the time. And he, I didn't know that he had told him, dude, I know you're looking for an MC for your club. This chick is funny, man. She's never done it, but I'm telling you, she could be great at this. And so I'm there just being me, not realizing I'm auditioning. So by the end of the barbecue, now I, I done got booked to do an open mic night or whatever. And it went from there, and I met my mentor like the third time, Darcel the Fat Doctor um, Blegeman, who's mentored Martin Lawrence, Donnell Rollins, Tommy Davidson, Dave Chappelle. You know, he's like the godfather of DC comedy. And he mentored me, saw me third time I came off stage, said, You got something, you know, really great, but you need to know how to, what to do with it. Took me under his wing, taught me the business, taught me how to write a joke, taught me how to deliver a joke. I mean, he really taught me everything I do. You know, how, you know, you just can't get on stage and talk trash. It is mm. a formula. And the rest has been history. I mean, I quit my job three years later and ain't looked back. Right. That's yep. awesome. So now, okay, like for for someone who does have a nine to five, right? Yeah. What is your advice for you know the person who wants to go out and pursue their dream, you know, without doing anything like too crazy that could possibly you know get them fired before they're ready right. to quit? Well, if you get fired, you get unemployment. But I'm just saying. <laughs> 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 you can get an unemployment check and still tell you jokes. But, I mean, you know, I would say, you know, I had a cushion. When I made up my mind that I was leaving D.C. and I was coming to L.A., for an entire year, all I did was stack paper. Mm. I worked every gig. I left no gig unturned. And mm. all I did was stack a lot of my papers. So when I came here, you know, I didn't have to worry about money as per se. And when I got here, I wasn't trying to keep up with comics who had been out here and established themselves. I had a one-bedroom apartment about the size of this room. Mm -hmm. And I was in there, and I was going to the comedy clubs every night. I was mailing out headshots and resumes because when I got here, that's what you did. It wasn't anything on the internet. You know, and you know, I was focused, but I had my cushion. I lived beneath my means, mm -hmm. and I did what I had to do until I was able to flip it. You know, right. and live the way I wanted to. Mm. But, you know, build yourself a cushion. Don't no. don't just go out on, you can go out on faith, but don't be stupid. You need finance with that faith, too. That's true. Yep. That's Real true. Talk. So now, what is the funniest thing that's uh -huh. ever happened to you on stage? My pants split. Well, no, it's two. My pants split at one show. I did something, and my pants just ripped open. And, of course, I would have on a shirt that wasn't long enough to cover <laughs> my butt. And I'm literally like 10 minutes into my 30-minute set. So now my butt is completely exposed. And I just made a joke of it. I just was mm. like, you know what, y'all? I got on fly with draws. Just you know, don't even think about it. And then I had one show I was doing, and my wig fell off. Shut oh, your wow. mouth. And uh -uh. they thought it was part of the act, and I had to call Miss Laura and say, girl, I'm so sorry. I did not steal your joke. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this, this really happened. I did not take my wig off. It fell off. <laughs> That's so those right. are two of the funniest things, you know, and then, you know, I've had some crazy moments where a heckler, you know, got mad at me because I was, you know, ripping him a new one because he came mm -hmm. at me because I have a rule in my show. You be my, you know, enjoy my show or you can be my show because mm -hmm. I don't talk about people unless you come for me. Right. And I guess he got mad because I was getting him and his boys was laughing at him. So he tried to come on stage at me. And let's just say, honey, I made that microphone a samurai sword. Ah! <laughs> I said, come up here if you want to trust and believe him and knock you back to where you came. <laughs> so, mm -mm. Oh, yeah. Chris. 
So he was going to jump on. Oh, on yeah. Stages. And well, nobody was stopping him. He got all the wow. way to the front of the stage before security realized this man's coming to hurt me. Yeah. So I had literally taken the mic stand, turned it up like a Louisville slugger. And I was like, let's do this. Because if you come up here, trust and believe him and knock you back to your mama. Right. <laughs> and finally, security realized this dude is serious. Right. So from that day forward, I always tell security, hey. Be on deck because if somebody comes at me, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip them one. And, and <laughs> nice. a lot of people can't take it, you know. You want to put yourself out there, but you don't want to be embarrassed, yeah. right? You know, because like I said, you, you can enjoy my show, you can be my show. Mm. And so you said recently that comedy didn't get difficult until past few years. Why is that? You said comedy got difficult. Yeah, in one of your interviews, uh, we, we read that you said that comedy has gotten difficult recently. Well, I mean, I think what it is, you know, that comedy used to be such a. Uh, a, a rare art form. And if you were a comedian, it was like you you wore a kind of a, a cape. You were good. You know, like you were one of the special people that could get in on a microphone and make everyone in the room laugh at the same thing at the same time. In the last few years, stand-up comedy, somehow somebody opened up the floodgates and let every and anybody in. And unfortunately, it's watered down a reputation of having that you know, special talent, that special gift that made us stand up comics. Anybody now that can tell a joke on the internet or YouTube or at their at their job now can be a comic. There's no more there used to be levels to this. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. It used to be levels. I went through the levels, honey, to get here. I started, right. you know, in open mics and I was an MC, then I was a feature, then I was a headliner. Now somebody can come in and three months later be a headliner. It didn't work that way when I came up in this game. You had to go through these levels. You had to pay your dues. Mm. And unfortunately now, you know, people can just come in and just all of a sudden get the same pay as, as me and you've been here five minutes and I'm like, but you ain't put no work in. You know, you up here doing a plethora of somebody else's jokes or shaking your booty or, or you know, doing stupid crap. You're not you, 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 you're watering down our art form. Right. You're making it look like buffoonery it kind of pisses me off. <laughs> but you know what you did? You turned that comedy into acting. How did you make that transition and how easy was it for you? You know, when I came to L.A., I came to be an actress. That's what I came for. I had established myself as a stand-up comic on the East Coast, the Midwest, down South. You know, I'd made a name for myself. So when I came to L.A., I actually came here with the potential of having a development deal that literally fell apart as I was flying here because the management uh-huh. company I was with just discombobulated while I was flying here. But once I got here, I was like, you know what? I'm here now and I want to be an actress. I want to act. And so I just threw myself into a lot of acting classes, workshops, boot camps. You know, I've taken everything from Bill Duke to Leo Rossi, to Tasha Smith. I mean, I just was like, I want to be an actress, you know, Nick Anderson's comedy class, which is amazing. And I still did my comedy on the side, but that's what was my focus. So when I began to get the acting gigs, that's I was like, yes, yes. And I kept building my portfolio, building my resume. So when that big role, the one thing that I know that Tyler said to me, he had been a fan of my stand-up. When I walked in that room to audition, he said, she's got this role if she can act. So mm-hmm. I'm just so glad I was prepared. Because right. a lot of people think on that stage just being funny every night is is enough. No, it is an art form. Mm. It's a level to this. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. And you have to be prepared. There's a lot of cats who get shows and can't read a script. Right. Wow. And you've got to understand that, you know, you've got to prepare yourself, you know, success comes when preparation meets opportunity, boo Right. Real talk. Right. So what, what has been the, the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome when you started acting? Um, being, uh, given, you know, going on auditions that clearly just kind of insulted me as a woman, you know, like the audition breakdown would say, we need a big, obese, black, loud woman. I'm like, well, dang. <laughs> 
Jesus, so specific, you know. And then you're looking at yourself like you're getting an audition and you realize you're the smallest person there. And I'm like, well, I don't think I'm that obese, you know, or you know, or being told, you know, if you lose weight, you're going to lose work, mm. you know, or, you know, why don't you gain weight? You know, we, we need more of this or whatever, mm. you know. Um, it's just, you know, keeping yourself and, and keeping yourself sane and not getting caught up in the vortex of getting caught up in what that breakdown says and what the role is and knowing how to separate yourself from the role, the character, knowing that you keep a piece of yourself for that. Mm. That's the biggest thing. You but now, do you do you think it's harder for, for black actors and, and actresses to really kind of blow up in, in Hollywood, you know, versus their white counterparts? You know, I mean, you know, I used to always say every few years it's another Twilight mm. where they bring in a bunch of new batch of white young actors to be the next, you know, you know, Edward and Bellas, you know, whatever from Twilight. You know, black actors, they will re- recycle us until we get tired of seeing each other. Mm. They don't let a lot of us, they don't bring us a new batch in every year like they do the white actors. Right. Um, and the thing is, but it, but yet it's very hard for us to sustain because the minute they think we're not a bankable star, that we they can't make any money off us, then they'll go get a Latino. They'll go get an Asian. They'll go get anybody else but another black actor. Mm. You know, and they don't do that with the white ones that I noticed. But that's just what I see. Mm. I can't speak for everybody, but that's what I see. So with us, you know, and then too, you know, I've been in auditions with Oscar winners. And I'm thinking, you have an Oscar. Why are you here for these three lines? That's that's the thing that you really have to get that no matter what you do, you still have to work to stay relevant. You you know, you just can never, unless you get the Denzel and and Holly, you know, and Will Smith status, you still got to keep making yourself relevant and doing good work. Very true. Okay, yeah. well, and uh, let's talk about for for better or worse, really. Yeah, right? we're back in April, honey, on OWN. I'm excited. Everybody's been bugging me about what happened with Jennifer, honey. <laughs> if she got the AIDS. No, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, Lord, you know, you know people, people are still talking about the episode where Jennifer, you know, met up with the guy and he had HIV and she mm. slept with him, you know, and... Ooh, and it was like, you know, I was, ooh, I was getting laid out. Go, you know, Jennifer, you's a hoe. And I'm like, well, <laughs> Jennifer was weak. She was weak. I mean, did you see this man? Did you see Rob Riley? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, Coco would have fell for that, but. <laughs> You know, and then the clerk crying like, but he was so fine though. Right. He didn't look like he had nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but Hilarious. which you know, I'm really excited about for better or worse coming back. We just got um, renewed for another season, so we go back this summer. So I'm re- thank you. I'm so excited about that. And you know, everybody's wondering about Keisha and Richard and Leslie and Joseph. You guys are in for a treat this new season. We come back on own April 9th, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be good, honey. Y'all gonna see some stuff. I'm excited. Can you? I mean, is there anything without you know? Saying too much that you can kind of. Um, let's just say C Sports is going to change names, and you ain't going to believe whose name it changes to. What? Let's just say that. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yes. Black Hollywood Live exclusive. Yes. Yes. There we go. <laughs> Watch so, that. But what was it like working with with, or what is it like working with with Tyler Perry and, and the, the rest of the? the class? I mean, it's a it's it's a master's class in multitasking. It's a master class in directing. It's a master class in writing. Mm. I mean, this man does it all. He yeah. is the king. I mean, I swear the man got clothes. I know there's a trap door in his house <laughs> with ten little Tyler Perrys down there. It has to be, but right. he's such a master at it. I mean, he will be directing us, writing the episodes, producing a play, starring in a play, all at the same time. Wow. And it's like he never skips a beat. And the one thing that he's taught me is that you just breathe and you do. 
You don't think about it. You know, you do what you got to do and you just breathe and, 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 and treat your people well. He treats everyone from the person cleaning his his office to, you know, to this president. I mean, he treats everybody so well. And, you know, you feel a sense of family and, and love when you walk through those doors, you know, that everybody matters in that studio. And, you know, that's one thing that I've taken from him on how I treat the people that work for me now. You know, they're family. I don't yeah. treat you like an employee. You're my right. family. If you're this close to me, you're around my kid, you're family. You better be. Right. <laughs> right. You better be. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, and, it's, and it's just amazing. I'm just so glad he saw something in me and gave me these opportunities. I owe him a lot because he's the first one that opened the door for me in this town, really. That's good. Yeah. So you star in Tyler Perry's new movie, The Single Moms yes, Club. Yes, yes. Life imitating art, honey. Yes. Because I'm a single <laughs> mama. Yes. So tell us about the movie and tell us about how it was to work with Tyler on a film versus a television show. You know, the, the, the television show is very, very quick. You know, mm-hmm. we'll do two, two episodes a day. You know, where the, the movie, you know, doing that took a little bit more time. It's a little more intricate moving sets and, and lines getting changed and people getting into character. Because, you know, when we would have days to prepare for a very deep scene on the TV show, you had a day to prepare for that scene. And you okay. had to get in, you know, find your route so you could really be believable, you know. I mean, watching Nia Long, honey, do it, she is a master. I mean, when I tell you it was like being in a master acting class watching that woman. Wow. I mean, she is a beast. And, you know, she deserves all that she has because she is good at what she does. And she's an awesome mother too you know her son's in the movie and Mm. seeing that connection and you know I just learned a lot watching her and how she is with her son you know and then you know me becoming a single mother while we were filming I was separating from my husband at the time you know she became such a great advice giver because she had been where I was and you know she just became such a great ear and great advice to me you know in terms of you know how to handle where I was about to go right so Tyler Paris Perry recently said that he was ticked off at an interviewer because they asked him why did he make a movie that was glorifying single moms? Do uh-huh. you feel like this film glorifies single moms or is it a celebration? It's a celebration. And that's, you know, if, if people go to Huffington Post, they can read my, my, my blog that I did called Take This Job and Love It. You know, they try to stigmatize single mothers like it's some scarlet letter. Mm. Okay. No, it did not mean we couldn't cut it as a wife or we couldn't become a wife. There are single mothers out here of all circumstances. I mean, Wendy's character is a corporate woman who was more married to her career than possibly being to a man. She decided to have a child on her own. You know, Amy was a woman who just threw herself into her family and pleasing her husband and her husband decided to leave her. You know, my character... I probably had a lot of fair relationships and made some babies, but I'm trying to get it right this time with my son. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you have Nia's character, who was a professional woman whose son, you know, husband, you know, turned out to be a crackhead and she had to get rid of that. She couldn't have that around her kid. You know, everybody, we are not your tragedy if we're a single mother. I'm a single mother and I take offense to that because I was married and would have loved my marriage to work, but it didn't. It takes two to tango, honey. I got tired of dancing by myself. Right. But in the meantime, you know, I did the right way as society would like to say. It just didn't work out. But you you know what? You will not tell me I am wrong now because I'm a single mother. You can kick rocks with that. You better say that. <laughs> Real you talk. You better say that. All, Real the, talk. all the single moms just stood up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We are incredible women. And the one right. thing we have in common is we just want to raise our babies. Yeah. Right. And, and and make productive, positive people in this world, yeah. you know, and, and be applauded for it because it's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, when I was shooting that movie, you know, I had... You know, technically, you know, the, the girls, the two little young ladies who played my daughters, they was, those were set of twins, so there was four of them. Mm. Then I had Devion Harris, who plays Hakeem, who's an incredible actor. This little boy is amazing. And he played my son. And these kids, like, really went into, like, method acting on me. And that time during filming, I became their mother. Mm. 
anything that was going on, they was coming to me, Mama Coca, Mama Coca. I'm like, really? Where your mama at? <laughs> <laughs> they knocking on my trailer door, Mama Coca. I'm like, what? You know, I ain't that method, but you know, <laughs> right, right. I'm kid. You know, you know exactly. But I had to call all my friends who had multiple kids who were single moms and applaud them because just in that brief time of me having these little children gravitate and be up under me and just be in the zone that I was their mother during this time of filming. And I have one child, one, and it gets overwhelming. I can only imagine what it's like for a single mom who's got two and three and four. My God. I mean, those women need to be applauded, honey. And some of them are doing it really by themselves. And it just makes me mad when people try to act like, it's some scarlet letter like you some loose woman and had a baby out of wedlock. No, I was murdered, okay? Mm. I was murdered. I just got rid of the daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> was this movie therapy for you since you were going through the same situation? <sighs> was it? Was it? I was going through so many emotions because, I mean, literally like the week I landed in Atlanta to start filming was when me and my husband decided to split up. And wow. I knew that once, and I knew that as I was filming, he was moving out. And when I got home, he wasn't going to be there. And it was a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion going on. And I, that's what I love about Nia and I love about Tyler because both of them was like, use it, use it. They encouraged me to use it and not be afraid. And me being a stand-up comic and me being hired for the comic relief, I had gotten into a zone that I can't let my pain out. I am here to be funny. That's what I'm hired for. But they both, you know, especially Tyler, gave me a pass. Mm-hmm. to let my pain show in some of those scenes and just let it out, be real with it. Well, however way, if it came out angry, if it came out hurt, it, 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 I was able to use it. So it was very therapeutic doing this movie. Very. <laughs> I can see that. Mm-hmm. So now let, let me ask you. So how much of Coca is in the character Lydia? Um, you know, um, the mean what I say and say what I mean, mm. that's Coca. Mm. You know, I'm not, I, I'm working on my Hollywood filter. <laughs> <laughs> Because everybody tells me, girl, you be saying too much. I'm like, I'm sorry because I mean what I say and I say what I mean. You know, if you want the truth, ask me, you know, because I'm going to give it to you straight. No chaser. And, um, you know, that part of Lydia is definitely me. Mm. I'm working on it because, you know, now that I'm trying to find a new baby daddy, it's hard because I be scaring them. <laughs> I be scaring them, child. They be running from me. Mm-mm-mm. Get your life together. I ain't going to have you know. <laughs> do, you, do you want to date right now or you want to take your time? You know, I'm entertaining uh, um, a few gentlemen, (laughs) but nothing serious because I think, one, I need to finish healing. Mm. You know, a lot of things, you know, my divorce was kind of painful. A lot of things came out that that I didn't know, very hurtful. So I'm still healing, and I don't think it's any other man's job to fix me. I need to be fixed when I meet him. Mm. And then, two, for the first time in my life, I know exactly what I want because Mm. I was given exactly what I didn't want. So I'm very clear on that. And until I find that, I'm not settling. So, I mean, dating is cool and I'm dating, you know, whatever. But anything serious right now, it's going to take Jesus Christ himself to put that man in my path because I don't know if I'm open to it yet. I'm not ready. And what's your policy on your kid meeting your new guy? Is it like not until uh, you are absolutely in my life 100% or is it yeah, like... Yeah, I'm going to have to come to your house a whole lot of times for you come to mine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm going to have to meet your mama, you know, the dad, the dude that played your daddy. Right, right. <laughs> all them kids, them kids you got, I got to meet all everybody for you meet mine. I'm sorry. Right. I'm very protective of my son, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, you know, he's at an age, he's only two, and it's just that, that age that he's beginning to attach to people. Mm. You know, that he is used to seeing the same faces, and when someone new comes in, 
you know, he's kind of like, well, where are they now? He has this look like, okay, are they ever coming back? And I'm like, mm -mm -mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't need that. I'm the first woman that boy is going to love. And the last thing he needs his mama seen is her being a revolving door. Right, right. right. Not going to happen. Uh -uh. So what is the biggest thing that you want people to take away from the single moms club? I want women, I want everybody to take away that it takes a village to raise a child. And that village can look in any kind of way. I've been blessed with a village of mostly men. You know, that are my brothers and they are from every race, religion, gay, straight, some are corporate, some are entertainers, some are firemen. For whatever reason, they loved me and this little boy enough to step up and fill the void that his father left because unfortunately his father is not present right now. And, you know, your village can look like anything, but, in, you know, utilize that village. And it doesn't make you a weak woman or a bad mother if you yell for help. Right. You know, this movie shows it takes a village and that village can look so many different ways. But as a single mother, you do need it. We need a chance to rest, a time to regroup, a time to just enjoy our lives. When you are a real mama, and let me clear that up, real mama, you put all yourself into that child right. and nothing else matters. Everything else is secondary. And that's what you're supposed to do. But at the same token, we have to reboot. We have to rest. We have to make sure that, that we are a whole person for that child. And if you're, you need to have that village there to give you those times to do just that. And I hope people realize that and also realize that single mamas come in all different packages, circumstances, races, colors, religions, ages, whatever. We are not your tragedy. We are not your scarlet letter. You you can't you can't put us in a box because we come in all different varieties, honey. Right. <laughs> So how has uh, becoming a mom affected your career? You know what? That little boy's become my manager and my agent. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself taking gigs I wouldn't even take because I'm looking at him like, ooh, yeah, that daycare boy, boy. Uh, yeah, so I'm in a liquor store for 500 You going to fly me out? <laughs> you know? But, you know, it's, 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 you know, becoming a mother, I didn't have a, a, my son early. You know, I had my son in my, you know, late, you know mid-30s. And I, um, he has grown me up and focused me in a way I never could imagine. And then, two, I'm seeing things through his eyes now, things mm -hmm. I've looked at a million times before I see through his eyes and they're new to me. And there is just nothing like, I mean, he he's my motivator. He is my, he's my angel. Because with what I went through with his father, if I didn't have the little boy to look at and say, you know what, out of that bull crap came this blessing, Right. he saved my life. And I'll tell anybody that because I could have been somewhere in a rubber room somewhere drugged out, just broken because of, you know, what went on with right. me and his dad. And the fact that I have him to live for and him to provide for, you know, that's my angel. That's my angel. So he, you know, motherhood has just made me so focused mm -hmm. and just, you know, and I enjoy life differently now because I'm looking through at things through a 22 month old's eyes mm -hmm. when he picks up a flower and he's like, mama, ooh, mama pretty. I'm like, <laughs> it is pretty, baby. It's poison ivy, but it's pretty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, you know, right. so I, I love it. You know, I love being a mama. I, I feel it's one of the things I was made in this lifetime to do. Are you a spanking mama or are you like, I'm going to talk to you, mama? Both. <laughs> I broke. The, I had to break the belt out for the first time. Oh. I just showed it to him. You know, <laughs> I, I showed it to him and I hit the table real hard. I said, you want this? And he said, ooh. And I said, now when he sees the belt, ooh, mama, no, mama. No, I didn't have to use it on him, but I took the belt out and I smacked the table. You get it together. I'm going to use this belt. Pop, pop on the table. And he was looking like, I don't like the sound of that. Right. You know? <laughs> I said, if he does it again, I'm going to make him, you know, 12 years a slave, see what it really right, happens. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to make him sit through that. <laughs> see what happened, huh? See, 
thing that's gonna happen to you if you don't get it together. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to be passive. You don't want to be passive. We're not gonna call people on you. Yeah. That's, that's a good way and, to handle it. No, girl. And you know it's funny. This is L.A. Everybody's so politically correct and everything. I said I can't even discipline my child in public because I know they're gonna call the people on me. Mm-hmm. You know they look at you. Why are you talking to him like that? This is my baby gone now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but but he's a good little boy. You know we're going through the terrible twos a little bit. You know mm-hmm. sometimes I've had to walk away from my child because I'm like little boy. You about to meet Jamaica. <laughs> Right in this world. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. You know what? You need to go talk to Elmo. Go talk to Elmo. Right. <laughs> go talk to Elmo right now. Okay, what about, you know those little bags that are, they're book bags. They look like little monkeys and they have the leash. I would never. <laughs> I would never. I have a hand and an arm mm. and some good reflexes, honey. I just can't put my child on no leash. Yeah. But I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. Because if you got one of them little wild kids just wander off and you in Disneyland, you need that leash. Right. But, you know, for me, it's like, he just ain't going to Disneyland till he know you stay here with mama. There's going to be repercussions and consequences. Right, right. <laughs> like, I'll tell him, Mickey Mouse going to eat you, you leave me. <laughs> put that little fear in him, you know. He's traumatized. But yeah, and then I can't put no monkey on my child. I'm raising a black right, child. That's crazy. Right, my right. mother, oh, my grandmother, my, my mother is so funny. When we, I was pregnant in the baby shower, and every time I pulled out a onesie with a monkey on it, you ain't putting no monkey on my grandbaby. I'm like, oh, Jesus, mama, please just say thank you, mama. Just say thank you. <laughs> she took all that stuff right. and threw it away. I'm like, mama, that's brand new. You can go in this clothes. I don't care. You ain't no monkey. Right. <laughs> you know, my mama old school, honey. She marched with King. Right. <laughs> you right. ain't putting no monkey on her grandbaby. <laughs> that's funny. But, I mean, here's the thing. Because, like, I think that, you know, because I was, I was spanked when I was. When mm, I, was I was too. Up, you know me what too, I mean? I was and, too. And we all are decent individuals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I don't have a problem with spanking. I think that, you know, one, your help shouldn't spank your child. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, my nanny, she is fired now because she put her hands on my child. Oh, <laughs> and I said, yeah. oh, you done lost your mind, Heffa. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, I think that um, discipline is mm-hmm. very, especially with a boy. Right. You know, and I'm raising a black boy. He needs to understand very quickly on yeah. that I'm the boss. And see, his father was 6'4", 380. You uh, know, that was a fence of linemen. And this child, you know, almost two years old, comes to my hip. I'm going to have a big boy. Right. And I just know that it's going to be the day that I'm going to have to punch him dead in his chest <laughs> to let him know when he's standing over me trying to be smart that I'm going to have to punch him dead in his chest like Sophie in the color purple <laughs> to let him know mama is the boss. I don't yeah. care you bigger than me. I will right. knock you out in here. Right. It just is inevitable. He's going to think he grown. Yeah. And but right now, you know, at two years old, I just, you know, I freak him out when I take Elmo and hang him upside down, <laughs> and I shake Elmo. This is what I'm gonna do. And he's moving Elmo, Mama. No, you know that gets him together when he sees me abusing Elmo, and Elmo gonna be all right. <laughs> No red tickles. No red tickles. Parenting one on one. Turn Elmo upside down. Exactly. And shake the devil out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not your child, Elmo. <laughs> are there are there any roles now? You know, because you are an actress, yes, an, an established actress. Yeah. Are there any roles that you want to do? I want something dark. I want people to see my range. You know, people think that, you know, when you're a comedic actress, all you can do is the ha ha he he. You can just be the comic relief. I'm ready for something dark. I, you know, I want to, I actually am reading a script now where they want to cast me as a heroin addicted prostitute who finds God. Oh. And I'm just like, okay. And I'm reading the script and it's kind of harsh, but I'm like, but man, this could get me that Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I'm like, it's so dark. It's so left from what I do. And when you look at people like Will Smith and Jamie Foxx, when you did Ray, yeah. you know, comedians make great dramatic oh, artists yes. because yeah. we got a lot of pain that we have to put out and be funny. But now we can put our pain out there just naked, right. you know, in a dramatic role. So I would love to do something dark, to mm. be honest with you, just like so people can see my reign, something very serious, very dramatic. And then, you know, I want, I want to star in my own show. I really yeah. do. I would love to have the Coco Brown show. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Why not? Absolutely. Right. You know? What would you talk about? You know what? It would be about me and my crazy village. Okay. You know, how, you know, my my son is surrounded by this eclectic mix of men who've all stepped up. Like, he's had all these daddies. Mm. Like, one of the, you know, jokes I have is that one day my son's going to be in a soccer field or he may be in a violin recital. And they're going to be like, Phoenix, you know, where's your daddy? And he's going to, they all up there. Because he's got that many daddies. <laughs> right. I mean, for whatever reason, we've been blessed that, you know, these men just felt the need to come in and fill that void that his father left. Mm. And I just think, and it's such an eclectic mix. I have my assistant Adam, who's this white Middle, Middle Eastern boy that looks like Ralph Macchio <laughs> that speaks French. <laughs> you know, and then I have, you know, my, 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 my stylist who is just, honey, you better get it right, sugar. Get it right, boo. <laughs> Keeps my son looking good. He's the flyest kid in preschool right now. <laughs> you know, he's rocking in there. He got a little pony toe shoes on. <laughs> he got his little bangles on. He kicking it, you know. He got the mohawk. He good, you know. And then, you know, you've got, you know, just an eclectic mix of people in my life. You know, his uncle Rain is a singer, so they're constantly walking around the house harmonizing. Mm. And my son Aww. ain't there yet, but it's so cute because he'd be like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> There's an eclectic mix of people in my life, you know, that is influencing my son. And if my son's going to learn empathy. He's going to learn compassion and acceptance because mm. of this eclectic mix around him. And I think that would be a funny show. Yeah. Right. And how they all are trying to screen every man that wants to talk to me. And it's ugly. Oh, <laughs> they have to run the, run oh, the gauntlet. Oh, right? honey, uh. he's going to be pledged right. <laughs> to get next to me, honey. Tries. Okay, Tyler Perry, that's your new show. Right, there Coca's Pledge. Right. <laughs> Pledge and Coca. That's funny. So now, any uh, upcoming projects that we can be on the lookout for? Yeah, of course. You know, for, for better or worse, starts back on April 9th on OWN. So yes. I'm really excited about that. Also, you guys can check me out this summer on the new Kelsey Grammer Martin Lawrence sitcom, oh. Braddock and Jackson. I'm so excited. I'm actually playing a 60-year-old woman. Really? Oh, Name Miss Precious. Oh, good. Uh, Telma Hopkins, um, the great Telma Hopkins um, from Plan- Family Matters, mm-hmm. she plays Martin's mother, and I play her best friend, Miss Precious. Oh. So um, I'm playing a, I'm playing my mother, basically. Wow. <laughs> I have this wig I call Edith, you know, <laughs> this gray wig they put on me. I call it's Edith, you know, and I'm really excited about that because that's going to show my range, too, because I'm playing an older woman, yeah. you know, and I'm loving that. And that comes out on Fox this fall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, right now I'm touring, you know, I'm on parental discretion with Stephanie um, Wilder Taylor on Nick, Nick at Night. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can see me all over the place. Just check my website, Coca Brown, the number four life.com you know where I'm going to be in your season I'm at Madison Square Gardens March 29th I'm in DC at the um, Howard Theater next Wednesday you know I'm still getting it in you know comedy is what got me here so yeah. I'm going to still do it look at you, you bread are, and butter I, yeah, yeah I'm working honey when I, they ain't saying action honey I'm shrewd I'm looking for the light <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm looking right. for the light. Is that my time? Okay. Where can your fans find you on on social media? They can find me on Twitter under Coca C O C O A Brown twenty two. That's Twitter at Coca Brown twenty two. And they can also find me under Instagram under Coca Brown, and that's One Funny Mama C O C O A Brown. And One Funny Mama is O N E F U N N Y M O M M A. 
And you can see her on the big screen yes, today. Big, all weekend. Go, there you yes, go. Yes, Single Moms Club in theaters now. I need you to get them babysitters. I know that little girl on the street. She just give her a bag of weed, honey. She'll watch the kids. Go see <laughs> Single Moms Club this weekend. Take the crew. You're going to love it. Men, women, everybody, black, white, whatever, go see the movie. And I need to see them ticket stubs, honey. Make sure it says Tyler Perry Single Moms Club, not the Hunger Games, because they be tricking us. Okay? So make sure it says Tyler Perry is the Single Moms Club. And tweet me those ticket stubs, honey. Go support please. Yes, you heard her. Go support the Single Moms Club. The movement. The movement. Out today. (laughs) And you can always find me, Megan Thomas, on Facebook, Instagram, and that Twitter at Meg Scoop, like scoop of ice cream. Mm. You can find me all over the internet at The Nick Purdue. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you next time. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.